Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 30 with our guest, Abby Golhar. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, and welcome into the studio. You are plugged right into, you know this, it's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show, and you also know I am your host, Josh Carey. I already am fascinated by our guest. He's been investing in real estate since 2002 and is the managing partner of Summit & Crown, What a cool name. Say it again. Summit and Crown, a real estate investment firm in Atlanta. But please don't be fooled. While he does have the phrase real estate plastered all around his name online, he is so much more, which is why I wanted him on the show. To put it simply, he helps business professionals and entrepreneurs advance and finish well financially. That's what I'm talking about. He is also a two-time, not one, but two-time nationally syndicated radio host, which means he can be heard daily on the Wall Street Business Network by over 400,000 listeners in 35 major markets. Did I read that correctly? It is the one, the only right there. Let's bring him in. It's Abby Golhar. What's going on, Abby? Oh, man. I, I wish, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really, really excited about it. I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real testament um, to, to you and to everybody uh, that you influence to continue to bring on uh, awesome people. I hope I can be an awesome person for you today and provide as much value as I can. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, but man, oh, man, I wish like every single person heard that opener. Like anytime I walk into meetings, like I would love for you just to open for me. Like that would be so incredibly amazing. I I feel like pumped, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Are you hiring for that position? Let's create it. (laughs) I mean, holy cow, that was incredible. (laughs) Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, So so really cool to be here with you and meet you. Um, In your bio, it says that you help entrepreneurs advance and finish well financially. It's that portion, the finish well financially. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean uh, on our deathbed? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, there are, there is a life insurance policy. Um, (laughs) I I, I will say as entrepreneurs and, and as business owners, we fail sometimes to realize that we have to take care of ourselves financially. It is very difficult 
to understand what retirement means, to understand that we need to be saving money for a certain or uncertain future. Let's face it, if there's one thing that remains constant, it's change. And what that means for an entrepreneur, though we get comfortable in uncomfortability, we do need to plan financially to survive. Uh, let's face the facts, by the year 2033, Social Security will only be able to pay out 75% of its benefits. By the time that young Americans today, the millennial generation, between the ages of 24, 25 and 34, so, so I suppose I'm a, senior, a super senior millennial, we shouldn't expect to see Social Security paying out in our lifetime. And let's not forget about Gen Z, who's right behind us, they're in college, and that's a totally different situation. Entrepreneurs need to be thinking about how they can turn the, the winnings and the earnings in their business into assets that will generate passive income from day one all the way to day 30, the year 30. If we're not thinking about that, then we're failing the game of entrepreneurship and we're failing the game of life. On a fundamental level, whether it is or is not investing specifically in real estate, are you referring to every dollar you earn, take whatever it is, 10%, 15%, 20% and put it somewhere? Exactly. So I know Jim Rohn, I, I used to read a lot of Jim Rohn and, you know, bless his heart. He's, uh, he was one of my mentors without knowing that he was a mentor of mine. And I'm sure he was for you as well. He used to say it becomes really tough to save 10% if you don't instill the habit. And it also becomes tougher to invest 30 or 40% and only live on 60% if you don't in, instill the habit. The Rockefellers did the same thing, right? They only lived on 20, 30%. They invested the rest. Paying yourself first is a lifestyle and a mindset. If you don't do that now, guess who's going to have to pay later? You. You're not, you, wanna, you have one choice. You want to pay now and play later or play now and pay later. And financially for us, for those of you that are taking down a paycheck, you have a S corporation, you have an LLC, you have a job, guess what? You need to be saving your money in some type of bank account and investing it for later, for later pick a percentage and stick to it. My goodness, I want to... Uh, everybody should rewind the past 60 seconds of what you just said. So, so mind opening, incredible. Uh, what you said uh, has been shown to me, uh, perhaps you know it in the book, Profit First. I had the extraordinary luxury of interviewing the author, Mike Michalowicz. And that book is just extraordinary. Yes. And it's about exactly that profit first. Take everything that comes in, take your share first, and then allocate the rest. And in that book specifically, he says, uh, don't, just, uh, don't just move it to like an online account. Have different bank accounts for everything, right? So you want a play account? Great. Create a little play account. You need an investing account? Great. Create a little investing account. You need an operating account, an operating account for your businesses. Great, creating an oper create an operating account. And oh, by the way, let's not forget that we have to pay taxes every single year, don't we? So we need a tax account so that we have money stockpiled away when these things happen. Contingency, backup, oh crap fund, six month fund, whatever you wanna call it, you need that as well, right? Everybody, if you don't have a six month savings for your current uh, lifestyle, stop what you're doing. That's priority number one. Priority number two 
is a 401k, 403b, some type of retirement account. Priority number three is a Roth IRA. Okay, you have income limits for this, but if you exceed the, the income limit, don't let anybody tell you that you still can't invest in a Roth IRA. You can. You just have to invest in a traditional IRA and then backdoor it through a, to a Roth IRA. So no excuse to invest in a Roth IRA. You got credit card debt, bad credit card debt, get rid of it. Get on a super aggressive um, repayment plan, pay down that principal. It is eating into your future profit margins as a business owner. And your future self is kicking your present self so hard in the posterior, you have no idea. <laughs> I, I have to correct myself, Avi. Earlier, I said for everybody listening to rewind the 60 seconds. No, no, no. Forget that. Forget that. Go back now. Hit the, hit the 60 seconds prior. That's, that's amazing. I want to uh, dissect some of the stuff you said. Um, yeah. I know the trap that so many of us fall into, and I certainly did about investing later, is always, you know what? I just can't afford to invest now. There's not enough I can't live otherwise. So you know what? I promise. I, I swear I'm going to invest later when my big windfall of money and success comes in. And that's such a trap because I know you know all about Parkinson's law, right? We yes. use whatever is available, whether it's the amount of time we have to finish something or a deadline, we will use every bit of that time. Same thing with money. If you're not investing now, What's the thing that if I think, no, 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 I, I have to wait until I get my next level of success and income to really justify the savings and the investment. Yeah, I, I think that is the biggest mistake, right? Like we, we are, oh man, Josh, you're killing me with this. Like I, I'm, if, if you're seeing me moving around, I'm like, I'm like getting all jittery. So here's the thing. <laughs> if, if we have that mindset and if we think that we're going to, sell our company, make $10 million, see some type of amazing valuation and exit and then invest? No, you're not. You're absolutely not. Because any type of money in your life, any type of windfall you get, you're just going to become more of the person that you are. And listen, if you don't understand how to invest, when you get that windfall, are you really going to be in, in a position to invest that capital and get a return anyway? No, here's, what, here's what's going to ultimately, unfortunately happen. You're going to give your money to somebody, a financial advisor that has his or her own interests. They're not a fiduciary. They don't care about you. And your returns will be eaten alive by fees, right? 3%, 3.5%, 4% yearly fees on your capital means hundreds of thousands of dollars compounded over time that are not, that's not going to be yours anymore. You're just paying in fees. So what do you have to do? You have to get educated. If you don't have a whole lot of money right now, great, you have time. So spend the time, go get uh, Tony Robbins' book, Master the Game, Money Master the Game. That's such a great book. Start reading that, that's incredible. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of my favorite books, Cashflow Quadrant, Guide to Investing. Uh, I'm interviewing Tom Wheelwright at some point in time. Uh, great guy, I'll send him, send him your way as well. Uh, he, there's a second edition of his book, um, uh, I think it's something about taxes. I can't remember what the name of it is. I just got it uh, in, in the mail, but it's an awesome book. Learn what the rich know. They're dropping gold, right? It's like, it's like Hansel and Gretel. Their bread comes crumbs all over the place. Are you paying attention to CNN and watching some terrible news on your terrible news network? Or are you empowering yourself and really paying attention to the type of information you're letting into your brain? It makes so much sense. And what I hear you saying is get out of that trap, which I 
fell into for so long. Like, you know, there's just not enough money to invest, so I'll do it later. But what just was the light bulb moment was now is the time on a smaller scale even to learn how to invest, whether it's a few dollars, a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, whatever it is, just learn safely now. So like you said, when that big windfall comes, the, the typical story is that that we see over and over of those lottery winners. What do they say? That when they win 10 or 50 or $100 million, statistically, over and over again, within a few years, it is lost, gone. They are right. back exactly where they started because of exactly what you just said. That's such a good point, right? That's such a good point. What a great example, right? Your lottery winners, even your athletes, Right? Your athletes, they don't know how to invest their money. Healthcare professionals, doctors, physicians, dentists. Sure, they may be super high income earners, but do you think they know really how to invest their money? No, they don't. And then when they're 50, 55, 60, 70, they're scrambling to make money. They're scrambling to spend money they don't have. And for what? They didn't set themselves up for success. They bought all the fancy stuff. They bought the cars and the house because that's what you do when you're a physician. And right, exactly. All like the super crazy clothing. You know where I get my jeans? I go to American Eagle. They had a, they had a buy one, get one 50% off. And I spent like 60 bucks on two pairs of jeans. They're super stretchy and amazing. I don't care about materialistic stuff. If, you, if that's what you live for, if you live for materialistic things and that is your only objective with money, then I suggest... This is just, just my opinion, Josh, you, you, can, you can tell me to go jump in a lake, but if that's what you think, then you should stop listening to this show and you should go like, you, you should go to like to the North Pole and just go jump in like freezing cold water just to wake up, just so you can drive back to smell the roses. Like you're, you've totally lost the game of financial, of your financial life if you're not, if you're not getting educated and, you, and you're thinking everything's about buying stuff totally, totally off base. And it also seems like the other trap, as you were talking, this popped in. It's like, you know what? You don't worry because when I have the money to invest, I'm going to hand it over to somebody that is recommended to me. And I'm going to say, here you go, take care of it. And why do I have to know what's happening with it? Yeah, that's the worst, right? Like that's, that's like... Uh, Jim Rohn used to say, you can be dumb, you can be smart, but you can also be ugly. But if you're dumb, no, you can be dumb, you can be stupid, you can be ugly. But if you are dumb, stupid, and ugly, oh man, that's like the worst ever, right? So very similarly, that's, if you're handing your money blindly to somebody, that's just like, you, know, you might as well take your $5,000 or your $10,000 or your $25,000 and light it on fire. Like, please do that instead because you'll actually have more fun. You'll probably get heat. You could probably like go get some s'mores, right? Like you can do more with that money than to have somebody else take it and do what they want to do with it. If you're not knowledgeable, guess who's telling you what to do with your money? Everybody else. You made a comment earlier on that I want to hear more about. You said, as humans, we get comfortable in uncomfortability. Why in the world is that? So I think entrepreneurs are especially good at this, right? Like we see so many different changing environments. I have a, um, I have a healthcare education startup here in Midtown Atlanta. We're at the WeWork building. And you know what? For us, like we, we ride the cycles. We ride the wave. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down in terms of revenue. And, you know, we expect those lines to kind of smooth out over time. 
but we have a team. We trust the team uh, can grow and develop. And the team comes to us with concerns. We go to the team for concerns and we powwow and it all makes sense and all flushes out. So the changing market conditions don't really affect us a whole lot. That's why we're okay being comfortable in uncomfortability. We can manage chaos. So I think entrepreneurs are good with that. They just don't apply those skills to the financial world. Here's what's crazy. Okay, you want something crazy? Here's what's crazy. The day after Thanksgiving, what is it? Black Friday. Black Friday, baby. You know why everybody likes loves Black Friday? Because I can you shop. You, you can shop. That's right. You can shop. And when you're shopping on Black Friday, you're buying stuff on a discount, right? You're buying stuff on a discount. People know, like, if you're going, if you're gunning for a PlayStation, or if, you, or if you're gunning for your favorite suit. You've compared that suit six ways from Sunday with every other brand out there and you know you're getting the best deal. Why are people not doing that in their financial lives, right? It's, a, it's like this, it's like this. Josh, you're gonna give me a stock tip and because I think Josh is a great guy, I'm just gonna go ahead and buy that stock. I'm gonna buy that ETF. Wait a minute. So the behavior that I have during Black Friday where I'm comparing and contrasting and doing my homework on my clothing items or the items that I want to buy so I get the best deal possible and I'm not fearful of the market on Black Friday. Why am I then not doing the homework when America goes on sale? Why am I not doing the homework when the real estate market goes on sale? Why am I not doing the homework when businesses go on sale? It doesn't make any sense to me and it drives me crazy. And I think these lemmings that are running around, I think lemmings serve one purpose to show us trends and then to die. And I hope as a result of this show, you're not a lemming. Like at least you'll wake up, like go take an ice water, shower, bath, whatever, right? Maybe the ice bucket challenge needs, needs to come back just so you can you get, yeah, just so you can wake up. Wow, I wanna go back and really find out how we got to present day Avi oh, Golhar. Take Let's do it. Go, go, go all the way back. Take us back to you as a, as a little baby boy. What was life oh like growing up as a child? Oh, boy. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm a son of immigrant parents. Uh, my mom and dad were born in India. Uh, my dad immigrated here in the early 70s, went back, married my mom. And then she, uh, she came here, I think, in the late 70s. And then uh, they had a lot of fun. And then I, had, I was born in 1984. Uh, I, have a <laughs> I have a younger brother. Uh, he's three years younger than I am. And we grew up in, in like the super small town, uh, Texas township, uh, a little outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Best right? city name ever, by the way. Yes, exactly. Right. Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Michigan. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, I, I would say I had a really safe childhood. Uh, my dad was a professor. He was tenured in the early nineties. I didn't face, I mean, our family didn't face a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of financial challenges because we had that stability. And that's something that I will never, ever take for granted. Right, where, at, where during the auto crash, some of my best friends had to up and move from Michigan, uh, such a huge automotive community there, biotech was there. Those industries really crashed and burned. And this was you know, re, uh, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, right? The world collapsed. So they had to move and I saw firsthand the uprooting of their parents and moving to like uh, different parts of the country and I didn't like that at all. So. When I was growing up, it was a very interesting environment. It was a very academic environment for me. My dad, he went to one of the best schools in India and then subsequently got his PhD from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh, he finished that in 83. And then of course I was born in 84. 
So growing up in that household, it was very academic. It was very strict. But for me, I appreciated that. As much as I hated it then, I appreciate it now just because of the, uh, of the mindset. But if there's one thing that I remember from, from my childhood is my parents constantly pushing me to do better. Like my mom has a master's in mathematics. My, dad's, my dad has a PhD in industrial operations engineering, right? So like they're pushing me to try different things. They're pushing me to be better uh, with my arts and crafts and science and mathematics. It wasn't only about science and math as it is for most Indian kids. It was about being a very well-rounded individual. And I remember when I was in first grade, I was like this really like fat chubby kid. And my first grade teacher uh, sat down with mom and dad and, and she was like, hey, he has too much energy, but he's like, he can't express himself properly. And he gets like really jittery in class. And I think, st I still think like I have ADD. I'm sure I do in some capacity. But during that time, my mom and dad were like, really? You're not, I mean, you were not getting the grades that you needed to get all because I needed to push my and put my energy somewhere. So I started playing soccer. And I was terrible at playing soccer. Like I've always wanted to play soccer. I was really bad at it. What happened? My dad said, you know what? It's okay. You're going to get better. The same thing with t-ball, the same thing with baseball, the same thing with flag football. I'd never played football, like actual football. I was too scared of it. Um, the same thing with tennis, right? Like I played intramural tennis, racquetball, the same thing there. So I took what I had learned from, uh, from soccer of practicing, being a good teammate, helping others get better, showing up to practice on time, waking up in the morning to condition, coming back from school, getting off the school bus. And my dad and I had this ritual where he used to give me my, he used to give me a soccer ball bag, just a bag filled with a bunch of soccer balls. And I used to give him my book bag and he used to shut the front door and say, and he told me, don't come home until the sun goes down. Right? He just don't do it because I need you to expend all of your energy. I put all of that into, you know, whatever you do when you're a kid, right? You play flag football and, and play soccer and fly kites and stuff. Maybe not anymore. Maybe now it's just, you know, you're, you're always on your phone on Facebook. I didn't have that. So I grew up awesome. I had a great, great childhood. But I learned a lot of lessons there too. That was really interesting for me. So you were a, a chubby first grader. Which, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then like from there, when did you see, did you shortly thereafter or sometime thereafter get that in control? Was there a payoff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So immediately thereafter, I mean, it, was, it wasn't hard for me because the moment that Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to kick around soccer ball, and I was always really competitive. And the moment that I saw all these other kids like beating me in the mile, I couldn't handle it. I, I'm just like, this, this, has, this has to stop. And so I started running, and I started dribbling the ball, and I started practicing with my teammates, and practicing on the field and off the field. And I got better. And my mile time went down. I, my, the fastest mile that I'd ever run was like a five-minute 15-second or five-minute 14-second mile. It was crazy. I can't, I, I'm sure I could still do that today if I conditioned my body to do that. But I realized if I wanted to get better at something, it was going to take time. It was going to take practice and you have to get started. Right. And that's where sometimes business owners and entrepreneurs fail. It's we'll get all the prep gear. We'll, we'll we want to look good. So we want the Apple watch. We want the best running shoes. We want the best running gear, but it's never about that. Right? It's about getting started, going running, and then you start running the mile. Then you run two miles. Then you run five miles. Then you go play soccer and you get better. That's what was instilled in me when I was a kid. And that was awesome. I leveraged that every single day. Hmm. 
when you were a kid and now you're eight, 10, 12 years old, were your parents pushing you into some career path? So, I mean, I come from an Indian household, right? So what's the expectation? Let's be honest, right? Like the, the, the stigma is you're a doctor, engineer, lawyer. Um, uh, what's the other one? Accountant. Where you're working for some big four firm. Um, so I felt like mom and dad always set the expectation really high, but they didn't push me into one thing or another. They only fostered the development. So for example, I loved, uh, I loved computers and I wanted to, I, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pre-med, a pre-med student realized that wasn't for me after I did a couple of internships, um, volunteered at like the local hospital where I was born and stuff. I'm like, I can't hack this. I don't like the side of blood, not going to happen, which is weird now because my wife is a physician. Uh, she, she's an MD, she's in clinical research. And I'm like, Hey, at least I'm married up. Right? Like that's important. <laughs> I'm like, you are my sugar mama, right? Like that's just, <laughs> that's the way that this works. Uh, so uh, so they never forced anything. Uh, I I was really good at computers and I was really good at electronics. And I created like this pre-geek squad computer service uh, during high school with my uh, with just my friend who lived down the street, Matthew Carroll. A shout out to Matthew if you're if you're watching if you're listening. So we went around from house to house and we repaired computers, built software and hardware. And this was, so I was, we did this in 1999, uh, 2000. I was a ninth grader, 10th grader. We were making like 20, $25 an hour as, as high school kids. We were booked out constantly. It was crazy. Going door to door doing uh, Geek Squad. Yeah, door to door doing our version of Geek Squad. Exactly. Oh, darn you, Best Buy. <laughs> I know, right? They, Best Buy put me out of business. No, so eventually I, I, I wanted to go to college and then I attended the University of Michigan, uh, my dad's alma mater. And then I finished a four-year degree in electrical engineering. And my um, concentration was a semiconductor theory and nanotechnology. So I thought that was kind of crazy. The most that I do with that is just flip a light switch on and off in the morning. And then I realized I had a personality that I could exploit. So, hey here we are today. <laughs> what were you telling me about your, your grades? Oh man, that was the worst. I, I, so every, I don't know, this was maybe true for me and, and this was definitely true for me. Uh, and maybe some of the, some of the high school kids that, uh, that I graduated with, but we all had to chip on our shoulders. And I thought, you know what, I could hack in Michigan engineering, right? Like no big deal. Because with, for Michigan, you had to get accepted either into the literature, science, and the arts, LSNA uh, college, or the engineering college, or any colleges. It's not like you have a general acceptance and then you can choose. So got accepted to Michigan engineering, happiest day of my life. I get there, and I am way too confident, right? I am like arrogantly confident about my abilities to perform and do well and to, and to score well on all my exams. Needless to say, that didn't work out so well my first semester. So much so where I created, was captain of, or president of my own club called the Square Root Club. Okay, do you, do you, do you know what the Square Root Club is? Tell me. <laughs> it's where, so everybody knows the square root of four is two, right? Like that's very simple arithmetic. That's very simple math. But the Square Root Club is where one's GPA, the square root of one's GPA is actually higher than your GPA. The only way that works is, is if your GPA is less than one. <laughs> like, 
So, so that was your GPA, really less than one, you smart man. I, hey, man, you know, like, it, I think it, it was not one of my proudest moments, but then I realized I actually had to work hard to get a GPA less than one my first semester. And, and I realized I worked really hard at doing poorly. <laughs> like, that was, that was, that's what was happening. And then it was a mindset shift. I'm like, okay, well, I got to turn this around just like I did, I did soccer and, and racquetball and tennis and all the other sports I'd played. So, you know what? I rolled up my sleeves, I dusted myself off and went back to work. When and how did real estate come into your picture? So I think it was the same first semester that I was named president of my own square root club. Uh, one of my buddies, Tommy McAfee at the time, he, um, he was part of a multi-level marketing company called Prepaid Legal, uh, which, was, which is I think now Legal Shield. I think that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm do what you will with MLMs. I'm, I don't really pay attention to people that are in MLMs. That's just my opinion. I think it's kind of a waste of time, but he gave me a book called rich dad, poor dad. And I'm like, all right, this makes sense. There has to be more to engineering than just, or to more to the corporate career than just a job, right? Like there has, there has to be something more. They're rich people for a reason. I'm like, they did something different. They didn't go out and get a job that pays, a, you know, that pays you well and you get a 401k and benefits and salaries and stuff, paid vacation, two weeks off. There has to be something else. So I felt like I was also Neo. The previous summer, I had watched the original Matrix movie that came out in 1999. And I'm like, I feel like there's something wrong with the world, right? Like that's my entire thing. There's something wrong with the world. And so I read the book and it totally opened my eyes to wait a minute there is something wrong with the world. It's my perspective of it. And that's what started me down the, down the path of real estate investing. So I was focused on real estate just like that. My sophomore, junior, senior years at Michigan, I was wholesaling real estate and investing in real estate in inner city Detroit. Um, and I was still very business-minded about this. Even during the Geek Squad, the pre-Geek Squad, Avi Golhar days in high school, I always wanted to run a business. I had always wanted to be like a, a business owner. And I think at the time I wanted to be like the CEO of Microsoft or whatever. That being said, I never actually want to be the CEO of anything, quite frankly. That's not really my jam. I'm more operations and kind of business turnaround mergers, acquisitions. That's, that's, my, that's my jam. But that's what I wanted back then. And I'm like, I want more. I want more flexibility. I want more lifestyle. And the more I started reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, Guide to Investing, Thinking Grow Rich, uh, The Acres of Diamonds. I mean, all the great books, the Jim Rohns, the Anthony Robbins. I did the Personal Power, the 30 day, and then the, and then the classic, which was the 60 days. I had all these realizations about myself that I wanted that nobody at, in, in my college could give me the answers to. None. My, my peers couldn't, my parents couldn't, my then, uh, then um, uh, professors couldn't. So I'm like, where do I go to get this information? So I sought local mentors, started investing in inner city, uh, inner city Detroit in, in, uh, in real estate. I uh, didn't do well. I um, actually ended up failing tremendously with that, but learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot of lessons back then in the real estate investing game, which is only what made me stronger today as an investor, not only in real estate, but also in business. So you mentioned you failed. Talk to me about what that means or doesn't mean. Yeah. So 
I remember this, uh, I was doing a flip in, in, in inner city of Detroit and I trusted the wrong contractor and trusted the wrong mentor only because I didn't know how to evaluate them then. You know, it's not like we had as many resources as we do today to evaluate people and to, and, and where to go to get all this information. So we didn't have podcasts back then, right? Like we still had dial up internet and flip phones, the Motorola V600 phone. So after class one evening, I get a message from my contractor and he's like, Hey, I need you to go check out your property that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm renovating. I said, okay, great. Why can't you do that? Uh, you're my contractor, right? Like that's what you're supposed to do. So he's like, nah, I got to go pick up my kids and whatever. Needless to say, he was a terrible contractor. Should have known it then should have fired him. But you know, hindsight's always 2020. That being said, I go to, I drive to interstate of Detroit, pull up in front of my property. It's snowing. Like it's a blizzard, full on blizzard by the time I get to Detroit. In the, in, in the message he, he leaves on my voicemail, he says, you'll need, um, you'll see a shop vac in the family room and you need, you know, there's a little bit of a water spillage. Man, it wasn't a little bit of a water spillage. By the time I heard the running water in the basement, I was already crapping my pants. I'm like, so I, I saw the shop vac. I'm like, okay, now I know what the shop vac is for. I hear running water. I go downstairs into the basement. I'm like neck deep in water, man. Neck deep in water. In that moment, and I'm like five foot five, so it doesn't take a whole lot to make me like neck deep in water, right? I'm like the shortest person alive here. So I panic. And I realize for the first time I am alone. I am cold. I'm in a house with no air conditioning, with no heating, not air conditioning, with no HVAC unit that's actually working properly. It's freezing out in a hostile environment. Let's go knock on doors and ask for help. <laughs> so that's what I did. And it was not a pleasant experience, but somebody, uh, there was a very kind neighbor who said, okay, I'm gonna have mercy on your soul. Let's, let's see what we can do. We labored until like two, three o'clock in the morning, trying to get as much water out of the basement as we could, wasn't working. He decides to go home at like, I can't remember now. It's probably three, four, three o'clock in the morning, let's say. And I go to sleep, no bed, no mattress, nothing. Curled up in a corner of the master bedroom or what I thought was the master bedroom. Because if there's one thing I remember from physics in high school is that heat rises. And that's where I slept that night. I was cold, alone, wet, tired, frustrated, fearful. And I just broke down because I had nobody but myself. So this was an investment property, you said? Yes. That you had invested in. Ideal scenario, you, you had bought it. You, you hire the contractor to help you get it into as tip-top shape to, for you to sell for a profit. That's the basis of this, right? That's right. So now alone and cold and fearful, I guess at this point you are resigning to this is all a bust. At this point, that's what I'm thinking. At this point, I'm thinking I'm going to like yell at somebody in the morning. Um, and most importantly, it wasn't really somebody, I, I wanted to point fingers, but I should have pointed the finger at myself, which is eventually what I did. I'm like, I created this for myself. This was my fault. I didn't know enough. I didn't have the right mentors. I wasn't educated. I made the mistakes. It's on me. And then I vowed to myself to never let this happen again. And it never has.
<laughs> so. Well, that's such, that's such a, certainly a valuable lesson and an important one that I only recently am living in my life that anything that happens, and, and the quote I've heard in regards to this is, you're never angry at the person you think you are. You know, right. you're always angry. It's, you could say, oh, I'm angry because of them or what this person did or didn't do. No, you're angry at yourself. Own that. Take ownership of that. Um, we mentioned um, earlier um, Tom Bilyeu, um off camera. We were talking about that impact theory. In yeah. Extraordinary mentor of mine as well. And one of the things that he said, and he, he talks about how he wrote a blog post titled this and about this, and it's been the most controversial. It's simply titled, Everything is My Fault. And he says... Uh that that's, that's when you can start living, when you really grasp that and understand that. Yes, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, in the negative sense, it's empowering. Take ownership of all right. of that. And that's you, right. alone and cold, in that, in that home, you, you were able to do that. I feel like, I feel like these, everybody has to be aware Right, like you have to be aware of who you're being at, at any given at, at, at any at any given point in time, and that's in and of itself its own form of meditation, right? Like you don't have to be seated somewhere with your legs crossed or anything like that, um, you know, chanting the uh, chanting Om and like focusing on a candle, listening to meditative music. You don't need that. You just have to be aware of who you're being. What you just said essentially gives you the permission to take back control of your own life. And we realize that we are in control of absolutely everything, unless we don't realize that, in which case that's very similar to, I'm gonna hop in a Ferrari, right? And I'm going to slip the key into the ignition. I'm going to turn the car on. And the moment that I turn the car on, I'm going to let the Ferrari drive where it wants to go, handle all the steering, handle the speed, handle everything. So I'm just, I'm seated in the driver's seat, but I'm going to let the Ferrari do everything else. That's the way that the majority of people run their lives. They run their lives in very, they run their lives in very reactive states. Like, hey, why is this happening to me? It's because you're letting the freaking Ferrari drive your life for you. You need to take back control. I thought it was your car. Last time I checked, you're a human being. You're not a human doing. Own up to the human being piece of you. We just came full circle on the theme of the show, which is that own it, take full responsibility. I say full circle because earlier on, going back to our uh, if and when you think you're going to invest when you get the big windfall and uh, someone else will take care of it. No, it's all about learning, educating, taking ownership of that. You see the connection there. That's right. I mean, if we don't do that, whether it's, and let's, let's bring this even more full circle back down to finishing well, right? Like how do you advance your business and finish well? It starts right with your mindset, right? It starts right with you. Talk to me. You know, like, you know, you know exactly what you have to do in your business. Stop asking why, stop asking what. You know the answers to the questions you're already asking. The only reason you're asking the question is because you're attempting to point fingers at somebody or some situation 
to lead you to the conclusion or the self-fulfilling prophecy that you're worthless or that you don't want to do this or that you can't do this. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. You want to put out that fire? Great. You want to eat that frog first in the morning? Of course you do. But are you going to do the hardest thing first? Probably not. So if you don't want to do that, why are you a business owner anyway? Right? Isn't it much easier then to take two weeks off and succumb to working for somebody else? And maybe that's something that you should, right? And if that's what you want to do, that's something that you want that you should consider, then great. Don't be a business owner. Wow. Chilling. So many chills in that. I want to so, so much so that I want to, I want to hear it again when you said, (laughs) please repeat that. Yes. Go back 60 seconds, full circle again. But I want to hear you repeat that because it's so, it's so mind opening what you just said. You stop asking yourself those questions that you're fooling yourself that you think you don't know the answers to, you already know those answers. Take me down that path again. Yeah. So if I'm not in a good financial state, right? Like Anthony Robbins says this a lot, where we are today is a reflection of all the decisions we've made in the past. Where we're going to be tomorrow isn't a reflection of those decisions because we can change those those decisions right now. We can change the action right now so that we can set ourselves up for later. So let's take an example. Let's say that you want to be better off financially. Okay, great. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do right now to set yourself up for that? Are you going to take, and let's say you're working for somebody, you're listening to this, you're not a business owner. Hey, cool, I I have respect for that, right? Listen, you can call your your HR company or you can call HR and say, I want a specific amount of this paycheck deducted and put into a separate bank account. I think you can even do that on tdameritrade.com, vanguard.com, any one of these investment banks. Do that and tell yourself that this bank account is specifically designed for my investing purposes. That's what I'm going to do. Do something about it. Don't just sit around and complain. I, I was, uh, I, there was a movie that, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but in the movie they said, uh, worrying is like a rocking chair. Right? It gives you something to do, but gets you absolutely nowhere. That's true. Love it. Right? If you have a problem in your business, be proactive. You don't know how to solve it. Lean on your team members. Don't have any team members. Go to a meetup group. Okay. Go to meetup.com. Here's how complicated and scary this is. Okay. Go to meetup.com. Type in business meetup and find a meetup group that you can go to next week, Thursday and ask your freaking question, right? The problem that you, it's, it's your own problem if you don't have a team, right? Like you need a team. You can't be everybody unless you're just starting up. I get that too. Then you might need a co-founder. You'll eventually need employees because you're not Superman, Superwoman. Sorry, right? These are fictional characters. They don't exist. And last time I checked, we haven't confirmed aliens on our planet yet. So there's no, there's, we don't have super, superhuman, supernatural powers. That being said, you need people on your team. Right? You're not going to do your own financial books, are you? No, of course not. You're not going to fight your own legal battles in court. No, you're going to go find an attorney. So if you're struggling with something and if you don't have anybody, you can find out the answers to your questions. Go seek them out. Don't shut yourself off from opportunity. Don't shut yourself off from, off from potential connections that you could make that could be life-changing. Don't be the person that says, oh, well, you know what? I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to do that. Or I don't know how to do this. Don't give me this BS, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't. Stop that. Because the more that you tell yourself this, the more you feel it, 
And we all know that thoughts become feelings, become things. Absolutely love that. And something you just said rang true in another way that Tony Robbins said it, I heard uh, in something he was talking about recently. He says, you don't have problems. They are not problems. You just haven't asked the right question yet. They are just questions, That's not right. problems. It's all in the words you use. If you, if you say I have problems or this is that, it, they, no, it's just rephrase it as the right question. That's it. And that's what you're saying. That's it. That's it. I mean, and that, that you, so I started in radio in 2016, right? This was May of 2016. I had my first radio show. You should have heard my first two or three interviews. They were terrible, like unbelievably bad. I was like being this weird guy and I was like super formal and I didn't have the same personality as I do off air that I did on air. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 something's going on here. I need to change the way I am being. Very similar to exactly what you said, right? We have to reframe it. It's just a retweak. It's a reframe. Tony Robbins also says the very, the, he also says this. He says, you are a millimeter away from swinging the way that Tiger Woods swings his golf clubs. You're a millimeter away from greatness. That's awesome, right? And in his mind, in this, in this example, Tiger Woods is great. In my mind, the fact that you were born and that you get to wake up every day in a country that fully supports you and a country where capitalism is a thing and, it's, and entrepreneurship is the bedrock of this country is not only a gift, but it is something that is amazingly great. And we all need to accept that to be true, regardless of, who, of who's in office, regardless of your political affiliations, regardless of what's going on, you need to believe that this is your time. And if you don't believe that, I'll tell you something, go to Ukraine, right? Like go to Ukraine and spend some time with, uh, with folks that are struggling there. Go take a mission trip, right? Go, uh, go see parts of the world that aren't as up to date as the United States. And I promise you, you'll come back home with a totally different perspective on what you have in this country. Like, mm. check it out, experience this for yourself and then realize that you should be grateful every single day for things that you already have. What mantra do you live by today? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, I would say if I were to pick one, if I were to pick one, I would say rest in your awareness. It's something my dad told me and I didn't really understand it until maybe a couple of years ago. He said, rest in your awareness. It not only helps, it helps in business, it helps in your personal life, it helps in meditation, it helps in everything that you need it to because it's built for that moment. Resting in your awareness gives you the gift of solving the problem at hand. It gives you the gift of asking the better question. It gives you the gift of being a better husband, a better boyfriend, a better girlfriend, a better business partner, a better co-founder, a better employer, employee, a better thought leader, a better person to take action. Because if you rest in your awareness, you're very keen on what you're telling yourself. Right? If you close your eyes and you realize, whoa, I have a million thoughts a minute. 
I need to lay off the coffee for a second and I need to write some of this stuff down so that I can take action on it. You're resting in your awareness. You're using your awareness. You're using your mind as a tool. Finally, maybe for the first time, instead of letting your mind like the Ferrari run you like crazy. Hmm. Looking back on your younger self, Abby, what advice would you give that person? <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say make more mistakes and buy more real estate. <laughs> That's what I would say. Um, and probably also invest in relationships. Those are three things. So uh, make more mistakes, buy more real estate, invest in more relationships. Like, don't you, don't you know, um, don't you believe like if you knew what you knew today about the real estate market today versus that in 2008, that you would have found like a hundred million dollars to go buy all the real estate in the Somehow, world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have made that happen. So buy more real estate. Um, invest in good relationships. Everybody needs a good mentor. Everybody needs a good real estate attorney, or I'm speaking directly to the real estate crowd. If you're a business owner, listen, you need a securities attorney. You need a general, uh, you need general counsel. Go found, go find a good real estate attorney. CPA, same thing. You need somebody that's pro business that invests, that also has their own business that you can work with. Well, if I'm Josh Carey, right? Like I'm looking for investing in relationships that I can add massive value to the listeners of the show, of course, and then leveraging the show to go find amazing guests to continue to add value for the listeners. So it's a, it's this nice, it's this nice circle. So invest in relationships, make more mistakes. Like we're always students of life. If you're the smartest person in the room, then leave the room. <laughs> and you know, what's amazing of what you pretty darn correctly said is, is my, my thought process. Um, but I would only know and can acknowledge that by resting in my awareness. That's right. That's right. That, that's why that's so powerful, right? Like if I wake up in the morning and I tell myself, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. I'm not, by the way, right? Like I'm a hundred, I'm, I'm five foot five and 135 pounds. So today, I, not in first grade. Right? Hey man, we're not talking about the first grade. Uh, <laughs> maybe I was 135 pounds and five foot one. First no. grade, I don't know. Um, so but if you're I wake fit. up, you're yeah, lean. yeah, that's right. I'm lean, mean machine. So like if I wake up in the morning and I tell myself, I'm an idiot. I'm a waste of genetic material. I'm today's going to be a crappy day. Then guess what happens, right? It's going to happen. I, I'm an idiot. I'm going to have a crappy day and I'm going to prove to myself how stupid I am. But if we rest in our awareness and we really take stock of what we're telling ourselves, that's not very nice, right? Like didn't your mom tell you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. So why do we tell ourselves stupid crap all the time? It's not nice and we're somebody. So why are we telling ourselves negative things? So true. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm very intentional with the things that I do. And I believe that every interaction that I have, whether it's via email, via phone, via this, um, uh, meeting somebody in person at, at uh, say, Starbucks or Caribou Coffee or my favorite coffee shops, the baristas, uh, the people in line at networking events, at, at uh, events that we go sponsor nationwide, and anybody that I interview, 
has all happened for a reason. Even on my phone, like every, even on my phone, my lock screen, right? You can customize your message on my lock screen. It says, none of this is happening by accident, right? I don't know, maybe, maybe you saw that. Yeah, right, right there. None of this is happening by accident. It never happens by accident. We design our lives to be the exact way that we want them to be, period. If we don't accept that as universal truth, then you know what, like skip, skip back to like maybe 10 minutes where I talk about jumping in the lake. Go listen to that. Mm. What, are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? I feel like I'm more spiritual. I feel like I, I, I love all religion. Uh, that's the other thing my parents helped me really understand uh, when I was a kid growing up is everybody's awesome. Right? Like every human being is awesome. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, any shade of brown, yellow, purple, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what faith you believe. If you are nice to everybody, people will be nice to you. And I find it hard to believe that, all, that the religions around the country, right? The different gods that exist even in Hinduism led their followers to believe that they should practice their religion for a vicious reason. I highly doubt that. I think you definitely have some crazies. There are definitely crazies in every religion. Don't get me wrong, right? Like people will read uh, the Bible and look at things incorrectly. People will read the Gita and, and, and look at things incorrectly. People will read the Quran, for example, and look at things incorrectly. But I believe all, all of these religious texts were meant to serve us to the positive, not to the negative. Um, I, I love all religion. I've studied a good number of religions. I haven't read the Bible in a while. Uh, I've read it maybe once or twice when I was a kid. Uh, the same thing with the Gita. I remember my, my mom and dad, you know, we sat down and we read the Gita as well, which is the, the, the holy scripture in the Hindu, in the Hindu culture. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely more spiritual. Like I enjoy the conversation of religion. I, I enjoy the conversation of spirituality. <clears throat> I do feel there's universal power. Uh, do I feel like there's a God looking, looking at us uh, from the clouds? I probably not, but in the, in the overall sense of, is there some universal law, some universal energy? Absolutely there is. And I couldn't tell you what that is. I, I don't have any scientific or, or, or empirical evidence um, just because that's the kind of person that I am. Um, but I do, I think that if we set an intention that it goes out in terms of, in, in waves, out to the universe and it comes right back to us with anything that we want. We have the ultimate power. I mean, we can command our reality to be different. We can com we command the shape of our reality. And that's insanely amazing to me. That's like the best superpower ever, right? Yes, exactly right. What do you believe happens when it's all over? When it's all over. You mean deathbed all over? Exactly. I would say, I, I don't know. Like you have different folks that, you know, they, they've, they've flatlined and then they claim to have like seen God and then gone down the steps and stuff. I, I don't, I don't, what I believe, I think we just get absorbed back into the energy we call the universe. Right. I think that makes sense. That's the most logical step. We leave this physical body because this physical body is me, sure, but then who am I? Okay, that's an age-old question. 
and the more that I dig into it physically, the, um, the larger the spaces get, right? Like you tear, you, if you, you do a deep dive into your skin and all of a sudden, have you seen um, uh, that movie, uh, what is it? Um, what the bleep down the rabbit hole? They're like two versions of that. Years ago. Yeah, so the exact same thing, right? It's like, if we keep digging deeper into physical matter, we see molecules and then quarks and then it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but the spaces keep getting wider and wider and wider. So I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but you know what? Like for me, I think we just get absorbed into universal energy and we become part of this all knowing consciousness. If you want to call that God, if you want to call that the universe, go for it. Um, I don't have an answer. I don't think anybody has an answer. And I think if anybody has an answer, then they're, I, I don't think they're right. Like, how do you, how can you say that with absolute certainty? That's like saying, do you know if Boeing stock is going to, is going to go up or going to go down 30 years from now? Right. But then the reaction is, do you have, well, you need to have faith. Well, sure. But that's also a concept. Deep, deep indeed. I will leave you with this final question. How would you, Abhi Golhar, like to be remembered? A uh, man. Um, I would say, I would say a giver, not a taker. A guy that has a fun personality, um, a, a guy that loves to make impact on everybody, even even the baristas at Starbucks. I'll I'll, I'll order my iced no espresso americano just to mess with them because that's a really fancy way of saying I want an ice water. And I love I, I love to smile. I love to help other people smile, even if it comes comedically at my own expense. Uh, I'm quirky. I'm weird. You know, like I'm, I'm your Star Trek guy. Uh, and I love family. I love family. I love to read. I love to make impact for the world. And I, and I hope, you know, I think this is more like a Miss USA kind of answer, but I really do hope. I, 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 I really do hope that, that the world can, uh, can benefit from uh, the interviews that, that of course you do, that I do. Uh, and that in that, I suppose in that capacity of voice, the voice will be immortalized, um, but the energy won't be. And it's the energy that I feel once it leaves this physical body and goes on a mission to do whatever else is next, uh, that people will say, yeah, he was a cool guy and we need more cool guys. Well, I'll say, aside from being a cool guy, my goodness, one of the most genuine guys I've ever, ever oh, spoken thanks. with. Seriously, man. And certainly one of the most wealthiest guys. And I don't know your checkbook numbers. I'm not talking that kind of wealth. I'm talking about the wealth that I can clearly see and feel inside you, my brother. Wealthy. You feel that? Hey, man, I feel it in you. So it takes one to know one. I certainly appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everybody whose ears are tuned to this. Abhi Gohar, a pleasure, my man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. 
And everybody tuning in, I hope you found something, if not some things that made you say, hmm, yeah, that's, that, that, that could work, or I get that, or I like that. Do one thing with it, put it into action, make something great out of it. Until we meet again shortly down the road, thank you for tuning in and go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>